Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast is a ministry of Emmaus Bible College. Concerning Him seeks to enrich Christians around the globe by educating and equipping them through various media. For more information about Emmaus, please visit Emmaus.edu. Hello, welcome to another episode of Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Today we are joined by Coach Kyle Grah, how you doing, Coach? I'm doing well, doing well. We're glad to have you on, trying to have you on for a while now, yeah. but it's been a busy few months for you. A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> good kind of busy, though. Very good. Good kind Very of busy. Good. Well, we're, we're happy to have you on. Kyle is the men's basketball coach here at Emmaus Bible College. He also works at the Dream Center here in Dubuque, Iowa. Correct. Um, just to get started, Kyle, how about you tell us about yourself? Um We'd, we'd like to know about who you are, what you've done, what you're doing now. Yeah, you bet. Well, I'd say it probably starts with um, when I recommitted my life to Christ in high school. I was in my my senior year um, on a state-bound uh, team, both junior and senior year at Cedar Rapids, Washington. Um, and in the fifth game, I lost my starting spot to a, a very good player who was a junior. And uh, kind of stripped me of my identity. You know, what do I do now? Um, basketball was my self-esteem, was uh, who I was. Um, whether I played good or played bad or, you know, made it behind the back pass or hit shots or whatever it may be determined, you know, how I valued myself. And so losing that um, was probably the best thing to ever happen to me um, because, Right there, I just, you know, talk about salvation, right? Uh, you know, was I saved at a young age? I profess faith, so I'm assuming I was, and the Holy Spirit was working, you know, in me up until that point. Um, but when I lost basketball, it was like, okay, well, what is there? Yeah. You know, what's next? Like, if I don't have basketball, what do I do? And I could just remember being in the basement of my of my parents' house, house I grew up at, um, and got on my knees and just, you know, repented and um, really came back to the Lord, you know. And from then on, um, it was kind of some back and forth, you know, the battle of staying out of the world and um, pursuing Christ. And uh, went on to play at a JUCO for a year. Um, where the Lord really sustained me and, and kept my growth moving forward, got connected with the church, Baptist church, um, up in Esterville, Iowa, um, and uh, continued to grow. And then I went back home after that year to have shoulder, shoulder surgery and decided to stay in Cedar Rapids. And from there, um, the Lord got me connected with a basketball ministry that I grew up in called Pastor Rock Outreach. Um, it's actually a branch off of Youth for Christ. Okay. But it was just basketball specific where we used basketball as a tool to preach Christ. And it was run by um, uh, a guy named Judd Malcolm, who was also kind of a mentor and coach to me growing up. And uh, so I went back, had shoulder surgery, and started coaching um, high school kids at a at ministry called Pass Rock Outreach. Um, and that's where um, I really developed a love for using the gifting and passions that the Lord has given me um, 
for his glory. He redeemed it and used it to preach Christ. And so um, from there, um, I got connected. Well, I was actually dating a girl at the time that was in a youth group at Cedar Valley. Okay. Which got me connected with a guy by the name of Tristan Guthrie, who's an alumni mm. of Emmaus. And um, I worked at Pastor Outreach for two two years as volunteering, serving, coaching, using basketball, preach Christ, was mentoring kids in the community, um, and decided, man, I don't really want to do business anymore. I don't know if it was just the Lord um, or managerial accounting, because... <laughs> <laughs> yeah that door closed real yeah. quick um the lord using manager yeah yeah i'm a salesman not an accountant yeah. so you can you can understand the struggle there um but uh was on the way to go to you and i and i remembered that a youth pastor tristan guthrie had said he went to a bible college um in dubuque and so i did what most people did in the early 2000s I messaged him on MySpace because <laughs> that's what we did right and um, he got me connected with the Mayas and came up and visited and I was already sold on coming before I even visited because all I cared about was um, did they teach the Bible and they they teach it literally um, and was it a conservative school and so um, I didn't really care about anything else there um, in regards to what the buildings looked like or um, extracurricular activities or whatever, mm -hmm. what may have you. So um, I'm sitting down on my visit at lunch, and I'll never forget, um, I meet with, I think it was Coach Iverson, because he had heard I'd played a little basketball. And Dr. Van Dyne comes up to the table and says, can you dribble with either hand? <laughs> I said, well, I yeah, <laughs> I can. <laughs> and uh, um, then I started playing basketball at Emmaus for three years. Um, had a lot of injuries, a lot of knee problems. Back then, we didn't have the wood court. We had that, uh, what is it called, anoleum yeah. or whatever it is. Yep. Um, you know, that pretty much ruined my knees even to this day. Um, we had a uh, Miss Iverson will probably kill me for saying it. Sorry, Miss Iverson. <laughs> um, but it was it was it was a given that you were taking at least four Advil before every practice, <laughs> just to be able to get up and down that court. Yeah. Um, with that anoleum, um, and I was a little bit older too, so um, I wasn't a fresh eighteen year old. But um, came to Emmaus, and I mean, I was just really hungry for the word. Um. I was a little bit different. You know, I came out of basketball, kind of hip-hop culture. And so um, I had the headbands that matched the Jordans and uh, the baggy jeans and the, the hood, baggy hoodies and, you know, everything. Um, had gotten really into, um, you know, Christian hip-hop because um, I was so into the world's hip-hop that when I, when I really decided to walk with Jesus, I knew I had to get away from that because... Uh, what consumes your mind controls your thoughts. And so that supplement was huge, mm. you know, for me, um, especially when 
they're rapping about things you're learning in a theological class. Like it's just <laughs> wow. Like whoa, it really connects, right? Who who are you and, listening to? Uh, primarily it was probably Reach Records, so Lecrae, Triple E, okay. Tadashi, Shobaraka, um, a lot of the old guys that I mean they were coming on the scene fresh out of Cross Movement. I don't mm-hmm. know if you remember Cross Movement, but um, and uh. You know they had the they had skills. You know they had skills. It was good music. It was good content. It was coming straight from the scriptures. So um, it fit. You know my walk of life, right where I was at. Um, so come to Emmaus, and I'm just soaking up everything. I mean, my eyes are glued on the teacher. Um, man, I was a 2.7 GPA at a community college. And I come to Emmaus the first year and have a 3.5 and end up on the dean's list. And my parents get in the mail and they don't understand what's going on. (laughs) They're like, what? Wait, why? You know, what's going on here? And uh, I was just soaking it up. And um, there was a a buddy of mine who's now a buddy, but was a mentor back then, Reagan Benaski. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mr. Benaski teaches in... I guess it's what Bible education now or Ed Ministries. Ed yeah. Ministries, yeah. okay. Um, and uh, he really took me under his wing. So he saw me, and he was interested in the things that I was interested in. He met me where I was at, um, and would meet with me on a on a weekly basis. Really cared, would pray for me, and really showed me what like discipleship is uh, from the get go, and. Um, would take me uh, to on ministries. So we always like to say that um, we would go to jail together um, <laughs> because he'd, he'd hit me up on my phone and say, hey, we got jail ministry tonight. You want to go? I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. I don't know if I really want to put into practice what I'm reading, right? Because that's <laughs> scary. It's kind of scary. So we're going down there um, to Dubuque jails, which obviously isn't that big of a deal, um, and going through John. One, mm. just verse by verse, verse by verse. Um, and then John Glock was another one who was very influential in my life, um, just in how he treated me. And see him in the hall, you know, he'd look you in the eye, Kyle, how you doing? Shake, shake my hand, and and that was huge. Mm. That was huge, and set me on a, on a good path for success at Emmaus. So, um, so I graduated Emmaus with a youth ministry degree. I, I really came to do urban ministry, using okay. basketball as a tool to preach Christ, but youth ministry was the closest thing, so um, I went that route and with Mr. Leverance, um, and then Jeff Riley came in later um, towards my second year, I think, as kind of an associate or assistant. And um, so graduated with a youth ministry degree, uh, Bible Bible theology and youth ministry. And so naturally I went into sales for five years. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how that happens, but um, so I went into uh, selling car insurance and um, home insurance uh, with KT Leverance mm. um, in the life group. Um, learned a lot of valuable things there. I mean, I think uh, one of the things KT always just instilled in us and what I loved about life group was <clears throat> the integrity aspect. So learning the integrity from them, 
and um, knowing that in the financial services industry, integrity is is lacking a lot. So that was awesome to learn that. And then um, my brother kind of recruited me over to a company called Northwestern Mutual where um, I started selling, uh, doing financial planning and selling life insurance. Um, and uh, that was great because all I did was meet with people. And that's what I love to do is meet with people. And so um, I learned a lot there about sales, about reframing adversity, about recruiting, essentially. Um, understanding that 90% of the people you meet with are going to say no. Um, and reframing that adversity and saying, well, the more no's I get, the closer I am to a yes. Mm. Right? And then also understanding numbers <clears throat> in my head. And so this this worked out in recruiting later on because you knew, hey, if I need 10 high academic Christians who play basketball. Um, I need to go get 100. 60 will go into the funnel, into an application. And the chances are we could probably get 10 of them. Hmm. And so it's all the numbers game, right? And so that's what I learned from Northwestern Mutual is um, the numbers game, right? And so I'm going along the lines of doing financial planning. And um, I'm in a point where, you know, I need to start getting investment licensing. I'm like, man, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> this is not something that I'm really interested in. Um, you know, like, and so the Lord just put on my heart. And um, I'm talking with a buddy of mine who was former AD, Luke Wilkerson, and he's like, had some sort of issue there's with the with the women's team and. Um, he's like, you, hey, you want to coach the women's basketball team? I'm like, I never thought, well, huh, <laughs> how about that? Maybe. So I started thinking about it, and and I was really feeling the, the urge to impact lives uh, for Christ already. And then the Lord kind of brought me back to his original plan for my life, which was using basketball as a tool to preach Christ. Um, whether it's in evangelism or discipleship, we'll probably talk later about how that's two heads at the same yeah. coin. Yeah. Um, and so I ended up coaching the girls team, and uh, I love rebuilding. I love the um, just putting everything to, together. Uh, we start out with zero players, and um, got hired in June, and so we only had two months to really recruit. Um, and so we start the season off really with eight girls total, maybe, maybe nine, because we begged a few to play, and only one of them had actual basketball experience. Um, and later on, we were down to about six, um, and went 0 and 15, lost every game by 50, and, um, that just goes back to the sales aspect, right? Reframe adversity. Hey, this is the beginning. We're just learning everything we need to know to build this thing up. And so um, we started recruiting and brought in uh, first recruiting class. You know them very well. Yeah. Madison Leib, Sharon yeah. Tomlinson. Sharon and, and Madison are now coaching um, the women's team. Um, Aaron Edmondson, uh, Rachel Tomlinson, you know, that core group. Yeah. Um, 
he went seven. I think he was seven and fourteen the next year, and then third year we broke out uh, twenty three and seven, and rebuilt it. Um, got into my last year coaching with the girls. I think that was the sixth year, and we we had accomplished a lot, a lot of winning, too much winning. Um, so much so we're twenty two and five in the fifth year, and you know I've got girls complaining because. My starters are only playing 18 minutes a game because we're winning every game by 40. Mm. And so, lesson learned. Success does not solve culture issues. Mm. <laughs> Never, ever. Um, winning does not solve culture issues. And so, we adjusted the schedule the next year and decided to play half our schedule NAIA teams um, just to make sure that we're, we're getting better. Um, we get to last year, we've, we've hung quite a bit of banners, won a lot. And there, there was a sense, at least in my heart of, um, I knew we were impacting lives, but there was a sense of, man, I really want to disciple men because discipling men and discipling women is much different when you are a male coach. Yeah. Um, there's just, there's a certain, um, point you can't cross with, with the women, um, where at the men, you can really get, dig deep in iron sharpens iron and growth. And so, um, I ended up taking a year off, um, just kind of recovering from burnout and everything. And then the Lord really put on my heart to get back in the discipleship game and using basketball as a tool to preach Christ, what I was supposed to do in the first place. And um, so I purely went into coaching men's basketball 100% for discipleship mm. to see young men, meet them where they're at, and, and gracefully grow them into the men that God has called them to be. Um, and so as we're going through that, we're going through a book called Kingdom Man by Tony Evans, our discipleship book, going through Psalm 128. And talking about the spheres of influence that men are supposed to be in. Number one, making Christ the Lord of your life in every aspect. Number two, your marriage. Number three, your kids. Number four, your church. And number five, your community. So if you want to change the world, it starts with a man who submits his life solely to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, which flows into his marriage, his children, in his church. And if you want to change the community, it starts with a healthy church. Mm -hmm. It starts with a healthy man, a healthy family, healthy church. Healthy churches create healthy communities. Healthy communities create healthy cities. Healthy cities create healthy states. And healthy states create a healthy nation. Um, and that was really on my heart. And so we had always, with the girls program, served at the Dream Center from mm -hmm. a volunteer aspect. But with the men's program, we wanted to take that to a whole nother level. On the very first phone call for recruiting, for every recruit, I tell them, I don't really let them talk. I tell them, this is what we are. This is who we are. We exist to glorify God and advance his kingdom. The gifts and talents that Jesus has given you are to be used for a bigger purpose than yourself. Um, and we really wanted to put that into something actually tangible where you can see it happening right before your eyes. Mm-hmm. 
Because when we when we read scripture and we don't apply it into real life experience, it gets lost. And and so we started serving at the Dream Center. We started putting our our money where our mouth is, so to speak, um, in discipleship and evangelism. Um, and that really led to me feeling the urge, okay, look, I don't want to just hang banners and win games. That's like the last thing I want to do. What we want to do is put together a program that has eternal implications, not only in the discipleship of our guys' lives, but in if we have influence that Christ has given us to impact a community that is around us, let's do it. Let's go do it. Let's use a game of basketball to preach Christ. Seek first the kingdom, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first the kingdom and all these things will be added on to you. Um, and that's kind of what we did. And even the Lord put it on my heart. It's like, hey, um, man, you could be really impactful with what you do as a college coach in the lives of the kids at the Dream Center. Just the fact that I coach college, it doesn't matter if we're 0 and 25, there's a form of influence you have there yep. of just the title. Same with our athletes. The our, our collegiate athletes have influence, and with influence comes responsibility as a Christian. If the Lord gives you a platform to preach Christ, take it, because it's not every day that you get that platform. Um, and so I kind of put my money where my mouth was and said, you know what? I think I'm going to go full-time ministry at the Dream Center and still coach at Emmaus. Um, wasn't really thinking about money or anything, just just following what the Lord has in store. Um, seek first his kingdom. Seek first his kingdom, and all these things will be added on to you. And um, we keep preaching to our guys at Emmaus. Like that you, in order to succeed in anything, um, all the businesses, all the big gurus will tell you, you have to have a purpose that's bigger than yourself. When you have conflict, when you have preference, preferential differences, personality differences, all those things go away when your purpose is bigger than that. Mm. And what's interesting is a team, the way it's put together, is very similar to a church. In the church, you have Christ as the head, elders, body. On a team, you have Christ as the head, coaches, body. One body, many members, right? As First Corinthians talks about. And so what we're talking about with our team is actual, actually church. Yeah. Right? And so John 17 has been our core verse along with Psalm 128 that your unity will show the glory of Christ to a lost world. And in order to have unity, you have to have a purpose that's bigger than yourself. And that's advancing the kingdom, preaching the gospel. The gospel has to be front and center with the evangelism, with the discipleship. And if all we do is hang banners and win games, then we wasted our life. John Piper right there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> a little Piper in there, you know? Um, but we did. I mean, uh, on the very first phone call, I always say, we go through the same thing. One day... You are going to meet Jesus, and he's going to ask you, 
What did you do with the gifts and talents that I gave you? And if it's all about winning games or hanging banners, I was like, well, Jesus, I got, got you a coach of the year. Or, hey, Jesus, I got you a 25-win season. It's like all that stuff's going to burn. Yeah. Like what's the point? You know, you just wasted your life. And that's really what's been driving me um, and, and driving our program, you know, to this point. Do you want to take a little time and explain what the Dream Center is? Yeah. Yeah, you bet. So the Dream Center, first and foremost, is a ministry of Radius Church. Um, and uh, the Dream Center brings in young boys, young girls starting at um, first grade, and we work with them in three aspects. So um, behavioral, academic, and CEF, uh, Christian Evangelism Fellowship. Um, and so those three things are at the core. So we're preaching the gospel every day. Every day we are connecting the lessons, connecting behavior, connecting basketball to the Bible, to Christ, to the gospel. Um, the, the concept of the dream center is really following that line of Psalm 128, right? So if you want to change a community, if you want to change a city, it starts with the gospel, gospel transformation, right? So a man, woman gets saved. We all have those stories. My grandpa got saved when he was 55. Mm. And then all of his kids got saved. And then I got saved. Praise like the Lord. It always starts with gospel transformation, right? And so if you want to see a community change or a city change or a nation change, it starts with the gospel. At a certain point in time, us Christians in the United States decided, hey, let's protect ourselves from the world and go into this group over here, do Christian this, Christian that, Christian this, Christian that. And what happened? The dark got darker because there was no light in the darkness, mm. right? And so now we're <coughs> dealing with that. So the concept is Psalm 128 is we're going to start with the man getting saved, gospel transformation. That leads into the marriage, leads into the children, which leads into the church, which leads into the community, which leads into the city, to the state, to the nation, okay? So these kids come in. They get saved, right? When these kids commit their lives to Jesus and make him Lord of their life in every aspect of their life and submit to the authority of the scriptures, then you will see generational cycles and bondages completely broken. You will see that community completely change. Because you will see a healthy man with a healthy marriage, with a healthy family, which contributes to a healthy church. And so the concept of the Dream Center is the gospel, gospel transformation. Um, but it's using basketball, academics, and all these other connections <clears throat> to bring them in. So Radius Church now has over 250, 300 kids with a huge waiting list of kids that are coming into the Dream Center that are hearing the gospel every day. 
Um, and that's essentially what the Dream Center is. Now we do have competitive basketball. Um, we go to tournaments, AAU tournaments. The high school uh, high school team is hitting the AAU circuit this summer. They just played a tournament this last weekend, didn't they? They did. Yeah. Yep, yep. And they had actually seven, uh, two, three of my seventh and eighth graders got moved up playing there, and then we had two tri-state. Uh, that's right. Kids on there as well. Noah Eels and Will Cunningham. Um, Mike Eels, an alumni. Chad Cunningham works here at the school. Um, so that's a great opportunity for them um, to use basketball to preach Christ with their age group. Yeah. It's just reinforcement. You know, the <clears throat> Lord is just really attacking all angles of um, gospel transformation. And it's good for them as well. So, I mean, you know it as well as I do. If if you are not out in the field living out Christ, you are not growing. You can't grow in Christ if you're not taking what you're learning and pouring out. So one of the things that most people think about when they think about um, abiding in Christ is imagine a cup, right? And they think of it in terms of I got to fill up. Right, and so you fill up the cup, and then you stop. Mm. Right, and then you drink, and then you run out, and then you got to fill up again. Right, but that's not what the gospel says, and that's not what Jesus says. Jesus says that your cup runneth over. Here's the cup. Here's a hose. <laughs> and the hose, the living water, is Christ. And it comes in, and you're abiding, and it just keeps pouring, and then it flows out and affects everybody around you. Mm. You get wet, you get wet, you get wet, you get wet. You get Jesus, you get Jesus, you get Jesus, right? And so it's a constant overflow, right? Um, and and that's what you know we're trying to do, which is you know a lot harder yeah. to do than it is to say it. You can say it, but it's very, very difficult to keep your mind on Christ. Wow. And that's, you're working with uh, J.J. Kimball there. Is that correct? I am, yeah. yes. Yes, Robert Kimball, J.J. We know him as yeah. J.J. Um, who <clears throat> Coach is Kimball. A lot of Coach people know Kimball. Coach Kimball, yeah. Yep. <laughs> He's the director there, um, Emmaus alumni. Um, there's actually a lot of Emmaus alumni down there. Tiffany uh, Williams. Tiffany Williams, yeah. former player of ours. Um, Nakia Kimball is down there as well. Africa Kimball. Um yeah, so you know we're we're taking over the world. <laughs> Great. <laughs> uh, one one more thing before we get into yeah. discipleship, I, I want to talk about. I know I, I actually I, I love what you're saying about this isn't the goal, but I do want to just take a minute to celebrate a good good and successful season this last year. Yeah, uh, yep. the, the previous season was tough, very you, tough. You guys went quite a long time without winning any games despite being pretty competitive and then yeah and then this last year you played pretty well and then went to regionals took home the took home the championship banner and got got to go play at nationals and yeah play some really good games in nationals you want to take a minute yeah. to talk about the yeah. season yeah I'll start with the first year obviously first year was tough amidst the um you know the COVID environment um so we had, you know, lost quite a few guys over over Christmas break. Ended up with, I think, eight total playing second semester. Um, but we call them the resilient eight. 
<laughs> um, or maybe it was a great resilient eight. <laughs> um, because those guys, man, I'll tell you what, um, they really prepared um, the soil for what happened this year. Um, we were very competitive that whole year, um, especially second semester. So we ended up three and eighteen, I believe, or three and twenty-one, something like that. Well, we had lost, I think, eighteen in a row. However, at least ten of those losses were in the last minute um, or two. Wow. Where, I mean, it was just over and over again. I mean, there was times where we were up by five with, like, I don't know, forty seconds, and we lose by one. Oh. You know, that happened multiple times. Yeah. We were just young, you know, not not really understanding how to win, how to close out games. Needed um, maybe a, uh, a few. Well, we didn't have a true point guard. Austin Brammer was playing point guard for us that year, and he's more of a two, you know, a D and three guy. But he was extremely selfless for us all year and in and took on that burden of playing point guard and, and actually sacrificed a lot of scoring, mm. you know, for us, um, you know, to do that. But uh, so 10 games losing, you know, really close games. And Galatians 6-9 was our, was our go-to for that, for don't give up for mm. the proper time. You will reap what you sow. And um, finally, we, we won which is weird because we it, it was against the NAIA team, uh, Lincoln <laughs> Christian University. And um, and then we, I think we beat Calvary, and then we go to the region and upset Faith. Um, I remember watching that game. Yep, by 10 or 12, um, and almost went to the regional championship that year. So... That was one of the games where we were beating Calvary by somewhere around five with a minute left. Oh, really? In the regional semifinals. And they ended up winning on a step back three. <laughs> so we were up two with five seconds left, and they hit a step back three to win the game. And then they went to nationals that year. So they ended up beating the number one seed in the championship going to nationals. So we were actually one shot and one game away from going to nationals last year. And so we knew something was was kind of a brewing, right? Uh, because our team culture was just, it, it had gotten really good towards mm -hmm. the end. And we're a firm believer that uh, culture drives X's nose. 80% um, culture, 20% X's nose. Um, we believe simplicity breeds creativity. Um, and we just put, uh, we maximize each player's skill set and delegate their weaknesses and get them to play together. Okay. Um, Little John Maxwell there, <laughs> uh, but uh, and uh, so we made a run that first year, um, and coming into this season, right? So we we brought in ooh, how many did we bring in? Nine, quite eight, quite a few, eight or nine, and a lot of half of them were transfers. Yeah, so a little bit older, um. And, uh, and and some really quality guys in that group too. Yeah, yeah, very much so, very much so. Um, and but it was kind of like starting over too, because they were all new. Our rotation was new. We only returned two starters, um, at least to the starting lineup. 
Um, and so everybody had to learn to play with each other again. Um, and we started from square one in a lot of ways. And so um, it took us a little bit to get going. Um, but eventually the guys really um, had a purpose that was bigger than themselves. And whenever you have a team, you know, including myself, you're not always going to be all in all the time. Mm -hmm. Like you're not always going to be a great teammate or a great coach. Like there's times where you're not going to be. Um, but you can still have great team culture if the majority is. And so while another person's down, the majority is still up. Yeah. Right. Um, and that's kind of what we did is we put the culture first and um, we started winning some games, you know, here and there. And there's some other games that we should have won, um, but we weren't shooting very well. <laughs> so Tyrus Buckner um, who, in my opinion, is the best uh, big man in the nation, is getting tripled, doubled and tripled every single game. And for most of January and February, we're shooting under 20% from three. Mm. And so, you know, as a coach, you're kind of sitting there, it's like, well, what do you do? Well, we're getting great shots. Man, we just got to figure out how to shoot better. Well, one of the ways you can shoot better is culture. Right. So the more positive energy you have, the more selfless mentality, the more where your mindset is filled with thankfulness and gratitude. I'm a firm believer that um, your shooting percentages go up hmm. when you're shooting with a mindset of gratefulness and thankfulness. I guarantee you your shooting percentages will go up. And as we shifted into that type of culture and our guys really bought into that. We started seeing some outbreaks, some games where, whoa, we just shot. Or like, you know, periods of time where we were shooting really good. And I knew that our defense was good enough and and Tyrus was good enough in the post to draw that um, that defense um, that other players were going to start going off. So Nash started really playing at a high level. In my opinion, he's top five guard in the nation right now as a freshman. Um Quan is the perfect point guard. Yeah. I mean, the especially to play with Nash. Yeah. 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 I mean, the the combo in yeah. my opinion is the best duo in the nation. You got Steve who's glassing everybody. I mean, like <laughs> coaches in our conference are having bets. I, I kid you not. Coaches in our conference are having bets on how many people uh Steve glasses in a game. Wow. Yeah. And then when Zach and Dylan started shooting um, really well, then everything was just coming together. And so we hit the conference tournament, and we lose to Ozark by three. Yeah. Um, we we kept it really close, um, and uh, we played well. We didn't shoot well in the first half, but we shot really well in the second half. And we're kind of like, okay, that – that felt kind of good. We're, we're better than that. I, I myself, that game could have done a lot better job at the end of the game. I really dropped the ball there, and that was a learning experience for me, um, just being ready. And uh, going the second game, play really well, shoot really well, win by, I think, 20 against Calvary um, in the consolation game in conference. So we get to play again. Um, we play Faith. And Faith has beat us twice and beat us pretty handily. Mm -hmm. 
We shot good again. We beat Faith. So we're going in the regional tournament, and, um, you know, I'm sitting there at, at the Dream Center Monday morning, and there is so, so Kyle, you're, you know, you're thinking that you, um, the regional tournament is going to be your, your last tournament. And I'm, ah, I don't. Well, we're playing really good right yeah. now. <laughs> I, I feel like something's going to happen. So just be aware, like we might run the table. And sure enough, yeah, we go to a regional tournament and and run the table. Like, I mean, we're playing good. Um, there's times where we weren't weren't playing so good. You know, we go up seventeen to four, and then drop that lead or whatever. There's some um, youth involved and just game experience and understanding things. But um, got through that first game with with ties. You know, put back after. Zach got yeah. Zach got a one eight seven on in the game. You know somebody tried to kill him, <laughs> and uh, Ty got the putback. Go and beat Oak Hills. Go play the the number one team, and you know Jack DeFreitas at, at Central Christian College of the Bible. Um, he told me before the tournament, he's like, you know, if you guys can get through Oak Hills, I I think you got a a shot at Trinity because. One of the things most teams don't have is a real big. Mm. You know, we're one of the few teams in the nation who has a real big, and and nobody can guard him because he's a skilled big man in Tyrus Buckner. And so when we play inside out, um, there's not a you know a team that I know that, that can beat us when we're playing correctly. So we go in and we beat, I think, Trinity by 12. And then we're – we're playing faith in the championship and we're kind of like, Hey, like we just beat them the, the week before. Like this is doable. We could, we could definitely do this. And the guys went out and did it. Yeah. Um, and we did say at the beginning of the year, you know, like God's platform for your life. Sometimes it's through success. A lot of times it's through failure, right? To how you handle failure. Um, how you glorify Christ in failure. But sometimes it's through success. You know, like the Kurt Warner story. Mm-hmm. It's kind of weird. Like, how did Kurt Warner go from, you know, high V to Super Bowl champion? Yeah. And uh, we said from the very beginning, if if the Lord gives us a platform of success, then we will use it to preach Christ. And that's it. And that was the mindset. And... Look what the Lord did. I, it's it's still crazy to even think about it because you'd ask me in January, um, I'd be like, well, I don't know about this year. After we won, we're going in the locker room to shards in front of me, and he's like, man, coach, I can't believe this happened so fast. I I really thought it was going to be like two or three years from now. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know what's going on here, but but the Lord is good, and you know I. You know, I don't, I, I want to stay away from any form of prosperity gospel, you know, but there is a, that Matthew 6, 33, that when, when you seek first the kingdom, you know, um, things happen. God, God's know? taking care of the rest. Yeah, yeah, people get raised up. You see Joseph. The story of Joseph is about, you know, 
going all the way down, failure, get, going through the rough is a rough, but then he's raised up for a purpose. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that's going to happen every year. You know, the Lord might give us a platform through failure next year. Yeah. You know, so we're very cognizant of that and understanding that, like, you know, this isn't a, well, if you live in obedience, you're guaranteed success. No, that's not the case at all. We we all know that, right? Yeah. Um, but in this case, he did. That's what he chose to do, and it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Well, I, I want to get into a conversation here about about discipleship. Yeah. I know it's something that's close to your heart. It's you important bet. to you. Obviously, it's it's been an aspect of everything you've been talking about so mm-hmm. far. I mean, it, it, our listeners can, can just hear aspects of it in, in coaching, in the Dream Center, and everything you're doing. Um, and then I've, I've heard personal stories about people. I mean, you were talking about uh, talking about being discipled when you were, you know, Reagan Benaski and uh, taking, him taking you under your wing. And But I've also heard stories about you discipling others when you're, during your time at Emmaus. So, mm-hmm. uh, like Derek Atherley yeah. is, is somebody that comes to mind. Um, and uh, I'm curious... What, what is it that first made you passionate about discipleship? Yeah, I know that's a great question. Um, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a gift. I think it's something that the Lord just instilled in me. It's okay. something that gets me excited. It's something that I'm passionate about. I wouldn't say that like anything just happened. Yeah. Um, it's what I was always interested in, you know, even even before I was living for Christ, the interest of mentoring was always just cool. Yeah. Give back. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, that would would be the answer to that, you know, that it's just, it's always been a passion. Yeah. You know, gifting and maybe just part of the spiritual gift the Lord's given me, so. You kind of answered this earlier, but I'm curious, what, what does it look like discipleship on, on a day-to-day basis at the dream center like how how does that how is that working itself out if that yeah, makes sense that's a great question so um first off is you know the day and age we're in we've got to define discipleship, yeah right? yeah define yeah. it yeah. um you know i i've always heard you know from mr hernandez here so I, I love that guy um you know discipleship and evangelism are one it's two heads of the same coin. You know, scriptures say, go out and make disciples disciples of all nations, right? Um, met with my brother, Reagan Benassi, this morning, and, you know, he talked about uh, the concept of disciple to convert, mm. right? That discipleship happens sometimes before conversion, right? So you see that with Jesus and the disciples. He said, come, follow me. Yeah. You know, at what point did they... Trust in Jesus as your Savior. Where's J.J. Rowley? We'll have to ask him. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that. So um, that's, for me, when in doubt, ask Mr. Rowley. That's <laughs> where we go. But so we're more so on the evangelism side at the Dream Center. Um, and so it on a day-to-day basis, it looks like just being there, mm-hmm. um, supporting them encouraging them preaching the gospel um teaching discipline uh using basketball to teach discipline 
um, talking about holistic health, mind, body, and soul, how, you know, the we're, we're created as one in three different parts. We're a reflection of the Trinity, right? We're made in the image of God. So talking about holistic health and talking about healing, healing from trauma, healing from, um, you know, pain in childhood or anything like that. Um, so being there, life on life, uh, what we call in your life mentoring mm-hmm. on a daily basis, um, weekends, phone calls, you know, whatever it may be, social yeah. media. Yeah. Well, and so. you guys are at the Dream Center. You're working downtown with a lot of kids that have trauma at an early age. I mean, you're yeah. you're working with eight, nine, ten year olds who have been through stuff harder than you or I have ever been. Yeah, you bet, you bet, you bet. No, definitely. And, and I would say though, that's changing. I would say that, um, trauma in America and the families is happening everywhere. Mm. Um, and we see that, I mean, even in the kids that come to a Mace Bible college or, or to other Christian universities, whether it be divorce, um, you know, coming from divorce homes, coming from, just trauma in their background from from their parents, lack of discipleship, all those things. Um, and so really it's, we're seeing it everywhere. You know, all the youth pastors will tell you that. Mm. All the youth pastors, I, I would go, when I was in admissions, we'd meet with youth pastors all the time, and I'd ask them, you know, hey, like, how many kids in your youth group are extremely passionate about following Christ and, and the scriptures? And like, about 5%. percent mm. I mean, that's where we're at, right? Yeah. We're in America today, Barner Research says that we are the, mo- the, the most biblically illiterate the country has ever been. Wow. Right? And we know that, right? Look at youth groups. Look at, um, look at the kids that um, we're working with, right? It, it's not there. It's not there. And so... Um, we're seeing that uptown, we're seeing that downtown, we're seeing that all around, um, just in our country and in our in our communities today, which is why we need to get back to the streets mm. and and get back to pushing for a revival. Yeah. Right? And what happens when you do that is when you naturally seek first the kingdom with the gospel transformation, I think of like Tri-State Christian School, Emmaus Bible College, um, when you seek first the kingdom and you go create the pipelines, people get saved. Mm-hmm. The Lord works. And then guess what happens? Your schools get bigger. <laughs> more people get trained. And more people then can graduate and go impact the world for Christ. Yeah. Right? Which is pretty awesome the yeah. way the Lord does that. When, you, when you're working with the basketball team here yes. at Emmaus and— Discipleship, I'm sure, looks different here than it does down at the Dream Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so what does that look like? I know I see quite often I come in the dining hall and you're sitting there chatting with one of your players one-on-one. And yeah. I'm yeah. sure that's probably anywhere from joking to talking about basketball to talking yep. about spiritual things. I'm yep. sure it's a plethora of things. But but what is it, what does discipleship look like for you on the basketball team? Yeah, I think discipleship at its core is teaching our kids or students, student athletes, um, players to be dependent on Christ. We have to remember that we are not the shepherd. 
Christ is the shepherd. We cannot micromanage the kids, the students. I shouldn't say kids because they're actually grown men, women. Um, into behavior modification, right? So we have to teach them to be dependent on the word and the in the shepherd, the great shepherd, and not on ourselves. A lot of times we love to um, make us the great shepherd, mm-hmm. right? So that is my disciple. That is my student. Yeah. You know, and um, I used to do that. You know, I came from the era when I was in Bible college um, where the ESV came out, right? And John Piper and Desiring God was in the theological world on the throne. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was big time, right? <laughs> Super big time, right, Nathan? <laughs> and, uh, um, you know, we used to joke. It's like, man got the trinity and then like lecrae was the fourth part of the trinity and john piper was the fifth right that's what we remember that nathan thought about that all the time um but there's a there's a sense sometimes in the far far right reformed where um because of a heavy emphasis on romans 3 and total depravity that we put a huge emphasis on iron sharpens iron and accountability which turns into trying to micromanage people's lives. And that form of discipleship always leads to rebellion. Mm -hmm. Think of the home, Mm -hmm. right? If I teach my kids only to follow rules out of fear of me, when you take me out of the picture, what's going to happen? Rebellion. Rebellion, Yeah. right? And we see this over and over. I mean, the Barnard research, uh, you can, I mean, just look at the people that you know, right? So discipleship at its core is teaching young people to depend on Christ and Christ alone in his word um, and not on you. So when I was in college, you know, we'd, we'd roll with that um, kind of micromanage and randomly text our friends, what are you looking at? What are you doing right now? Who you hanging out with? What are you eating? You know, all yeah. those things. And um, but guess what happens when they graduate and go off on their own and I'm not there? Yeah. I was a crutch. I taught them to be dependent on me in my leadership and my discipleship. And what we've seen in the last two years is all these pastors around the nation falling. Mm-hmm. And then what? Domino effect. All these people yeah. follow. Leaving the faith. Leaving the faith. Questioning everything. Yeah, absolutely. Apostates. Yeah. Because they were holding up a person to perfection. And if you do that, it's only a matter of time. Mm. Right? Yeah. And so to teach these young people to depend on Christ and Christ alone as the great shepherd, Christ is their main disciple. Discipler. Like Christ is discipling them, not you. Mm. Jesus is. The scriptures and Jesus are discipling these kids, not you. Mm. And that also kind of releases you from that pressure too, right? Because you're not in control of their fate. 
Well, now you no longer have to be infallible in errant. You could rely on the scriptures to do that, right? And, and you can be real. Yeah. Yeah. You can be real. Yeah. How, how would you encourage, wrapping up here, how would you encourage people to better orientate, orient their lives towards thinking about discipleship and in, in everything they're doing, which is, which is yeah, what I yeah, see yeah. you doing. Yeah. How, how would you encourage people to, to think that way? So now that's a great question. And it's, I'm actually going to kind of preach on this May 1st. Okay. Um, at, at radius. And it's going to be off of Psalm 128 and those spheres of influence that a man has first and foremost relationship with Christ then his marriage and his children and his church and his community okay so what we've seen in christianity is pendulum swings historically we've seen the missionary right who's all on mission but not at home marriage isn't very yep. good <clears throat> stereotype missionary kid kid grows up without a father because his dad's always out in the field yep right so the pendulum swing in our generation was just take care of home. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm just going to take care of home. I'm focused on myself, my marriage, and my kids. And what we did was we let the community, the darkness, take over the darkness. Well, guess who has to grow up in that community? Kids. Your kids. Yeah. Right? And Jesus said, go out and take care of the widows and the orphans. Jesus said, be a father to the fatherless. So if you don't seek first the kingdom... In everything that you do, if you're not influential in the community, in the home, in the church, in all these different spheres of influence, then you can't complain about the state of our culture. Mm. Because politics and policies are just a byproduct of the culture. If you want to see different candidates, if you want to see different policies, go preach the gospel. Mm. Because when communities change for the gospel and submit their lives under the lordship of jesus christ and his authoritative word that will change the policies because the people drive the politicians yeah so if the people are putting christ first in the scriptures then everything else will change it's inside out like shack and kobe right <laughs> yeah you got to get it to shack first yeah okay so it starts with you overflowing into your marriage and your children, into the church, your church, city on the hill, it's a light, boom, communities. And so that would be my encouragement is get involved. If if we're not involved in the evangelism piece of discipleship, then we're not involved in discipleship. I I really appreciate what you're saying in that it's it's not one or the other. Because I've seen this pendulum is what yeah. you're talking about, right? It's either you know, I barely make any time for my family and I'm, I'm out in the missions and, you know, the wife's got to take care of everything and mm -hmm. hope the kids grow up okay. Or it's, wow, that I can't believe somebody would abandon their family like that. I'm just focusing on my family. What you're saying yeah. is focus on your family, but if you're doing that right, it's going to go to the church. It's going to go to the, like, it, it will have, it's going to keep overflowing and it's going to have this, re, this result that you're going to be yeah. mission-minded, discipleship-minded, not only in your family, but also in your church and in your community. I, I really appreciate that. I think yeah. that's a really good. And that's how we change the nation. Yeah. That's where that's how we get back to, you know, the biblical principles and um in a in a in a culture that isn't perfect but reflects Christ a lot better than, you know, we're we're doing now. Yeah. So 
Well, as we close, um, if people are looking to support you, because mm-hmm. um, you are, uh, you don't have a salary necessarily, if, I, if that's correct, you're, you're, you're living off of other people's support uh, in order to work at, at the Dream Center full time, which I, I think is amazing. How, how could people support you? How can people support yeah, the Dream yeah. Center? Well, first off, the the Dream Center is is supplementing and they are, okay. fully funded, so that's been been very very thankful for that. Um, but one of the ways you can support me is um, through their website. Okay, and so you'll go through the donation um, process, and um, you're essentially pick you want to sponsor um, a sponsor, but then put my name in. Okay, as um, kind of like the note. Okay. okay. And so how that works is we sponsor full teams and part of that is my salary as well. Okay. So you sponsor each kid. Um the money goes in, sponsors a kid, but it also sponsors, you know, coach's salary as okay. well. Um and my encouragement has been, you know, it's understandable that families can't make it down to the dream center. It's you know, two thirty to seven thirty at night. It's prime time for your family. Um it does take sacrifice for sure. Um, to hit all those spheres of influence is going to take sacrifice. It does. It really does. Um, but one of the ways you can be kind of hands-on and, and kind of put that money to a face is that my family and I have decided um, to, to take that sacrifice and serve. And so if you want to know that your money is going straight to preaching the gospel— um, one, sending it to Dream Center, they are. Everybody's preaching the gospel. Mm. It's gospel-centered. There's no politics. It's <laughs> it's just straight-up gospel. We don't talk about politics much. Um, but if you want to put it towards me to go do maybe what you can't do right now in this season of life, um, that's how you can do it. It's fun me to go do, and that's part of being the body, the hands and feet, right? Yeah. Sometimes in seasons of life, I wasn't until up until last year in a season of life where I could do that, right? And so that's understandable, and there's no shame in that. There's no, like, you know, I can't believe you're not down here. You are you don't love Jesus, you know? No, it's like, look, everybody's in a different situation. Everyone's in a different season of life. Here's an opportunity for you, if you can't be down there, to help me be down there. Yeah. And, and we'll put that link in the podcast description for everybody. Okay. Well, uh, thank you so much for coming on today, Kyle. We really yeah, appreciate bet. it. Uh, thanks for having me. It's a huge blessing. Love you guys. Love Amaze Bible College. And, um, you know, we're going to do big things to uh, impact the world for Christ. So Big time. Big time. <laughs> That's thank you for listening to Concerning Him, an Emmaus podcast. Ministries like Concerning Him are possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.